Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek podcast where we talk about advertising, marketing, media, pop culture, technology, because in the end, everything's an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm an editor with adweek.com. With me, as always, is Tim Nudd, our creative editor. Tim, checking in from Las Vegas for purposes that will become clear shortly. How is Las Vegas, Tim? It is lovely, David. Thank you. Wonderful. And joining us uh, this week, we've got two returning guests uh, also on the Adweek staff. Marty Swant, uh, technology writer. Uh, Marty, you are also in Las Vegas. How are you doing? I'm doing well, David. It's a uh, nice sunny 46 degrees here, I think. Oh, well, that's chilly. And uh, <laughs> Warmer than Maine, though. Yes, good point. Uh, and Lauren Johnson, technology writer, checking in from Adweek HQ in Manhattan. How are you, Lauren? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. And the reason that we have this powerhouse of technology coverage is because it's CES week. Uh, CES is, uh, as we speak, as we record this, is about to kick off in earnest. Uh, so Tim and Marty are on the ground in Las Vegas. Lauren was there last year uh, and notably did not choose to return this year, uh, which we can talk a little bit about later about the experience of actually going there. I've never been to CES, so I'm curious to hear uh, what it's like. Sounds like a madhouse. Um so uh, really excited to have you guys on, and we're going to dive in, see what we've got on the docket today. Obviously, we're going to be talking about CES. Uh, it was our cover story this week. Uh, we always preview CES. Uh, this week, Lauren had a great cover story on how brands are embracing AI uh, in really creative ways. Uh, and we had uh, several other articles about some of the tech trends to expect. So you can look for Adweek CES 2017 online. You find all sorts of great coverage. Uh, we're also going to be talking about some big news, especially we are now now in the hey, heyday season of uh, Super Bowl advertisers coming out and announcing that, uh, who will be coming back and what they will be doing during the game. So we'll have a quick roundup on that. Got some big news from the TV news world uh, and also some, some branding news. And then we're going to talk, as we always do, about ads worth watching that Tim rounds up for us each week. Uh, so big, uh, big panel, but we'll try to get through it all pretty quickly. But first, let's talk about the news. 
Well, we have got quite a passel of uh, Super Bowl advertisers returning this year. I've rounded up a few of them uh, from the recent announcements. Uh, TurboTax, uh, Kia, Honda, GoDaddy is coming back after uh, GoDaddy, I believe, took one year off. Is that right, Tim? Just one year off from the Super Bowl? Just one year. Yeah, now they're back. Yeah, so it's just telling. That's kind of been the core of their uh, marketing strategy for quite a while. Their message has changed over the years, uh, and it was interesting to see them take a break. What was their thinking? What was GoDaddy's thinking last year, Tim, in in, uh, choosing not to return to the Super Bowl? Well, you know, their marketing approach, I think, had changed uh, over the years. And obviously, uh, back in around 2005, I think it was, with the Candace Michelle commercial that was so famous where she was talking to Congress about indecency and GoDaddy sort of became synonymous uh, with sort of risque, uh, you know, female, scantily clad females in advertising. And that whole, you know, that whole style kind of really fell out of favor and GoDaddy was, was looking a bit ridiculous. And so... They tried a few different changes of tack. Uh, a couple of years ago, they had the um, the spot with the supermodel kissing the nerd, and it was you know it was okay. It was kind of funny, I guess. But um, I think eventually they said, let's take a year off and kind of reevaluate. And they're coming back this year uh, with a new agency. It's it's called Bullish. Uh, it's a, a year old creative boutique founded by a couple of guys from Deutsch. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Supposedly, it's going to be uh, humor-based. It's going to be a 30-second commercial, and beyond that, we don't know much. So we'll have to tune into the game to see that one. Yeah, and their uh, attempt to be a little less sexual uh, two years ago didn't really go well because, as uh, many listeners will probably remember, they had a, a ad uh, a featuring a puppy, kind of a, a bit of a parody of Budweiser, um, and had a bit of a dark twist at the end. I believe uh, 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 Barton F. Graff made that one. Yes, they did. If I'm... And uh, it ended up being pulled at the last minute due to backlash uh, and replaced with one that was tremendously forgettable, uh, which basically seemed like it was an ad about a guy trying to write the replacement ad uh, for for GoDaddy. Uh, so, yeah, just to kind of one of those, you know, real, real banging a head against a wall moment for a brand uh, to have that kind of backlash going right into the Super Bowl. Then they took a year off and now they'll be back. Uh, we've got uh, a f- information on a few of the others. Let's see who we got here. TurboTax is going to be bringing a bunch of celebrities, in- including DJ Khaled. Um, I'm more excited about them bringing Kathy Bates. Uh, I don't know if she'll actually make the final uh, Super Bowl ad, but they've got a teaser uh, with her and some kind of supernatural uh, children in her home, which the joke being that they are her dependents. And some other clever, uh, they've got uh, David Ortiz and... um, uh, one other celebrity, and so so they're obviously going for kind of the big big celebrity uh, roundup. Uh, Kia is going to be coming back, and uh, Honda will be bringing back the CRV, uh, which I think most famously was uh, featured in the Ferris Bueller uh, kind of update uh, homage that they did that the the brand did a few years ago um, out of uh, RPA in uh, in California. Uh, so. That's uh, kind of the lineup as we know it now. Check out our Super Bowl ad tracker on adweek.com. Pretty easy to find if you uh, just do a little quick search for it. Uh, Sammy Main, our staff writer, is uh, going to be kind of keeping track of every Super Bowl advertiser, every ad, everyone who's not coming back. And that's a convenient uh, page to just kind of bookmark and keep an eye on and for all of your addiction needs around Super Bowl advertising. Uh, it's going to be a crazy few weeks, uh, so looking forward to uh, the updates on that one.
Another big piece of news that hit this week, Megan Kelly, uh, who we featured on our cover as the uh, kind of the best uh, news anchor of 2016, uh, she is leaving Fox News, uh, her, her longtime home, and going to NBC News. This is in the TV news circles, a uh, you know, really a tremendous, maybe not... Uh, unforeseen. Uh, I think a lot of people knew that due to her experiences with Fox News, with Roger Ailes and being sexually harassed uh, and and kind of not being able to report that for quite a while, uh, that there was certainly some some bad experience there. Um, but uh, interesting to see her land at NBC News. Uh, she'll be a kind of interesting counterbalance and compliment to Rachel Maddow, uh, who has been a big draw for MSNBC. A lot of people are feeling like uh, Megyn Kelly could bring kind of a new audience to NBC's news properties uh, and, and really give them a, a kind of a, a depth and robustness that goes beyond just being kind of the liberal uh, channel. But she's not uh, say, she's not in a primetime role, right? I think she's taking a, having a going to have a daytime show and then maybe a Sunday night show. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and the you know it's it's going to be interesting to see how her personality really comes to life. One thing Fox News did well with her that they've done well with a lot of their personalities. She was kind of the least opinion based, the most traditionally news of a lot of their you know Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity and all those. Um, and, and so she was always kind of sandwiched in uh, in between all these like really loud uh, opinion based uh, shows. Uh, but they did a good job of really kind of highlighting the personality there and putting her out there during the debates, where of course Donald Trump uh, was sparked with her and and was tremendously disrespectful to her, but which kind of helped her stand out and also made her a bit of a polarizing figure uh, in that election. And there was a lot of talk at the time about whether she would have a place in the new world order uh, if Trump was elected. Uh, I, I feel like one clear winner is going to be CNN, uh, just because they didn't have to spend a dime, and uh, it, it helps them uh, lock in a little more audience, uh, potentially during primetime, but they, they lost a major competitor, and now Fox News has to fill that gap. Uh, so... Uh, definitely going to change the landscape uh, of the news environment. We'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, and there is a new Jolly Green Giant. That's our other big, big advertising branding news here. This is one of the best known uh, brand icons. He is back. Tim, how would you describe the new look of the Jolly Green Giant? Uh, he reminds me of Lurch from the Adams Family, just a giant green <laughs> Lurch. And this, I mean, you know, we've been through so many of these like brand mascot. Uh, reinventions or redesign, you know, and I don't know. It's just, it's creepy. I mean, we were passing the ad around on Slack yesterday when we first got the, the news from Deutsch and, uh, you know, we were, we were sending horrified gifts to each other as a result of this. <laughs> so that'll tell you um, kind of what this, I mean, I don't know. It, it, he's, he's enormous. He's hanging out. He doesn't say a word and he looks very strange. So, uh, you know, however, at the end of one of the ads, uh, there's a woman who seems to be hitting on him, um, so maybe maybe certain people do will enjoy the new Green Giant, but uh, I found it to be odd. Those I legs, mean, man. I mean, he's got, he's got each, good legs. To each its own, but you know, I'm and I'm surely not one to to judge, but I I certainly don't know anyone uh, any women who would be into that, but. You know, <laughs> to each its own, I guess. I mean, there's almost I like you almost have to wonder if there's like if they're just intentionally trolling people on some level, you know, or if it's just like uh, the whole uncanny valley, like, you know, CGI humans are just not uh, they're all creepy in some ways. 
he you know he reminds me a bit of like a troll like not a literal troll like like or not a internet troll but like a literal troll i think part of it is just on my mind because there was a really good fake documentary a few years ago called troll hunter out of scandinavia there's now a tv show on netflix called troll hunters a kid show that uh, guillermo del, del toro made uh, so it just feels like there's been this weird like literal troll uh, zeitgeist but yeah he's just kind of like he's just this random hulking monster that shows up and then and then like sticks his finger into your kitchen and pushes a bowl across your table yeah i mean it was like decades ago he was way more charming looking if you look back yeah, and they had he had that and... like sidekick right didn't he he had like a kid that was always with him that was like the scrappier right the, the young hip i mean it's like giant. In, in, a, in an attempt to become you know like all CGI and forward-looking. I mean, it's I don't I don't get a charm from this guy at all, which I think the, is, the, the, I, is the idea. I think the missed opportunity is that the ad is all like he's been away for a while, and here's what he learned while he was away. And I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather see like what he was up to <laughs> during those years, like the the misadventures of the Green Giant, just like stomping around the world. <laughs> terrifying. I'm not sure you want that's to. The, that's that's the widening <laughs> Kennedy version. Probably. <laughs> yeah, interesting to see this come out of Deutsch, New York. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll be see kind of it, these whenever a brand mascot returns, and then uh, I don't know. There's always a bunch of buzz around it, but then the question is how long they stick around. KFC's been able to ride the Colonel wave uh, a lot longer than I thought they would. Uh, again, uh, some interesting work from Wyden there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. These mascots always, uh, always. It's, it's a bit of a mixed bag. So uh, let's move on to the ads worth watching. This is uh, the roundup Tim does for us each week of commercials that are actually worth taking a few minutes of your time to seek out and watch. And uh, let's hear what we have on the plate this week. So this week, uh, you know, it's only January 4th as, as we're recording this. And it's been a, you know, it's only been a couple days since we've been back to work after a pretty slow holiday season for ads. Uh, but a few things have rolled out this week. Uh, Kevin Hart has done a new set of ads uh, that, are, that are kind of funny for the Nike Plus version of the Apple Watch. Uh, so this is a product, obviously, it's been quite uh, talked about uh, quite a bit. And the, the concept of this series of commercials is that uh, Kevin uh, ostensibly was given the first uh, Nike Plus Apple Watch back in October. And the first ad shows him sort of excitedly opening the box and... And then suddenly it fast forwards uh, to three months later, and uh, it's sort of suggested that Kevin's been, uh, he just ran away from home and he loves this watch so much that he's just running around in the middle of the desert and he's got this giant sort of Tom Hanks castaway beard and, and uh, there's seven spots. Uh, there's a sort of a long intro spot and then there's uh, a bunch of short ads that show Kevin kind of using different features of the watch. Um, you know, this thing like tells you the best time of day to run and things like that. And sort of each product feature gets its own little comedy bit from Kevin. Um, so I enjoyed them. I, I didn't, I wouldn't say they're sort of laugh out loud funny, but, um, you know, Kevin Hart is really, to me, he's one of those brand endorsers that you can just count on to, to be funny in almost any situation. And, and he seems to work with almost any brand, you know, last year, we saw him quite a bit last year, uh, way back at the beginning of last year with the Super Bowl, he did that Hyundai spot first date, which won the, uh, USA Today ad meter. And he's, he did some H and M work, uh, last year too. Um, so yeah, I mean, it looks like uh, it'll be another busy uh, year for Kevin as he, uh, he, I think he endorses sort of a half dozen products or more and they're all pretty big brands. So I'm not sure about the Nike plus Apple watch itself. Um, the value of that device, who knows, but, um, I think they made a, the endorsement piece of this pretty fun. 
And didn't he do something with Kevin Hart? Or didn't Kevin Hart do something with Waze last year too? He was one of their voices. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's you know he he's very he's just really uh, he's got a, a lot of goodwill you know in the audience. Everybody seems to love the guy, and uh, these these sort of little comic shorts that that uh, widening Kennedy this campaign, even though it's a co-branded Nike Apple thing, um, Wyden did this sort of within their Nike purview. So these are Nike commercials, and you know he's just there's just little moments. I mean, I, I, he seems to be the kind of comic that everybody likes. He does he's not very polarizing. He's just sort of universally beloved, and uh, this this series I would say is check is worth checking out for sure. The funny thing about Kevin Hart to me is that brands just go all in with him. Like it's never just a thirty-second spot. It's you know the the EA Sports Madden season. You know, two three years ago is a very very long form spot where he's stalking uh you, you know uh, a Franco kid and like it's and then the H and M stuff was probably about seventy eight minutes long uh, all told. Uh, you know, and then now we've got this multi. It's it's clear that that's kind of the pitch uh, with Kevin Hart is that if you're going to sign up with him, you're going to get just a lot, uh, you know, cause you almost have to have enough of his stick for it to be funny. But I would say it also tips over into being way too much. Uh, sometimes I would argue that it's kind of a unique brand of humor to some degree. I mean, I don't know. I, I found the ads to, I guess, to be somewhat funny and I actually found them to be better as, as you went on in the series. The last, last one where it's, you know, supposedly, New Year's Day, but he doesn't have time to talk to you because his watch is telling him that it's time to run. And at that point, he's been in the wild for a couple of months. It was funny, um, but you know, m- maybe not the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's also end. part of a larger Nike campaign called uh, Are We Running Today? And some spots broke before the holidays that were text only that really sort of uh, took some pot shots at television shows and movies and and you know, YouTube videos and, and basically like, why are you sitting here watching an ad or, or, or watching r- ridiculous content when you should be out running? So that seems to be a theme that, that Nike's carrying over. Um, this is obviously their running shoe campaign. Uh, so yeah, we'll be, we'll see if they sort of extend that into the first half of the year. Um, it seems to be, uh, you know, sort of a, a device that they're, they're pretty into right now. And, uh, what else you got? Well, so I also wanted to talk a little bit about this new Chevrolet campaign. Um, uh, Facebook Creative Shop uh, created a, a, a worked with Commonwealth McCann, which is Chevy's lead creative agency, to create a whole campaign just for Facebook, and it's called New, new Year, New Roads. And uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. It was today. We published this this morning as, t- as our ad of the day today. And it's pretty interesting, you know, just because, you know, to have um, Facebook Creative Shop, you know, working directly with with a brand on something like this, uh, from what I from what I was told, Andrew Keller, the XCPB guy who is the creative director over at, at Facebook Creative Shop, was very hands on with this campaign. And they basically it's a it's a New Year's resolution campaign, and which you know really fits Chevy's messaging pretty well because their whole um, positioning for for many years now has been new roads. So um, New Year, new roads is the is the theme for this. And they filmed they found five people who are facing some kind of adversity and have um, what Chevy calls audacious uh, New Year's resolutions. So um, one, uh, one of the featured videos shows a woman who was injured in a, in a, a hockey accident, uh, and she was, uh, she's wheelchair-bound now. She's learning uh, how to become a rower, which is pretty interesting. And then there's a few other videos. I think there's five in all. Um, they're not all quite as heavy as that. 
Um, but each person kind of has an interesting story about how they're trying to overcome something. And uh, what Chevy did was they gave um, these, these folks VR headsets and, and had them sort of try to visualize um, overcoming their obstacles. And then they actually also filmed them in a series of 360 videos, which you can you can watch on Facebook too. So you know, just for the just in terms of the format and the placement, and, and Facebook Messenger is involved, and it's really one of these, you know, one of the first brand campaigns we've really seen to kind of leverage all all parts of the the Facebook creative platform. It also uses Canvas, which of course is another Facebook uh, creative uh, platform. So yeah, definitely worth checking out. You know, it's it's interesting to see you know a huge brand like Chevy. Um, try this out and I, I think the results are pretty good let's uh let's listen to one of these spots just to get a sense of the the tone here these past 11 months would have been a lot different if i didn't have the drive to compete against myself i didn't go very far but there's been no game there's been no competition i do anything to get that back Dana, how you doing? Hey. I'm Dave. Nice to meet you. I'll be your rowing coach. We'll be using this rower right here. You know in competition, the best way to accomplish your goal is to visualize it. We put this together for you. Check it out. Yeah, so definitely check that one out. And then the last one I wanted to mention today was this new campaign for Squarespace uh, starring John Malkovich. Um, now, you know, Malkovich, I think, is also... You know, he's another one of these unforgettable in endorsers, uh, you know, in, in a very different way than Kevin Hart. Um, but, you know, Malkovich is so odd and he's sort of, he's a pop culture sort of cult icon. And he kind of fits in with guys like Christopher Walken and Jeff Bridges in that way, where these these sort of iconic older actors that can bring kind of a quirkiness to, to a brand. You know, you think about what Walken did on the Super Bowl last year uh, for, for Kia. And I think this is a great fit for Squarespace. The story here is that Malkovich, obviously he's known as a, 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 one of the greatest actors of all time, uh, but he got started in costume design and he's always been uh, very fashion focused and he's coming out with a, uh, his own fashion line. And basically um, Squarespace, you know, they're, they're a very highly designed brand. I mean, they have gotten into comedy. They did that campaign with Key and Peele last year. Um, but I think their forte is really you know, the beauty and the simplicity um, of, of their design platform. You know, they, they build websites for you that are really easy to set up and they look great. Um, and so really tying into Malkovich's story, you know, the story of an actor who always wanted to pursue something, uh, something else, uh, in this case, fashion design, you know, it's a really perfect fit for them. You know, it's, a, it's really stylish work with a really stylish guy for a product that itself is, is pretty high on style. So... Uh, there's a short film, which you can see on, on, uh, on AdFreak uh, this, uh, today. It, it, just check that out. And then there's also um, Squarespace also built the new johnmalkovich.com. So there's a really nice seamless product tie-in there. Um, and you can go there to check out Malkovich's line of clothes and see, uh, you know, see what, the, what the power of that website is um, to build your own site. So, you know, we, we've seen Malkovich in ads before over the years. Last year he was in that strange movie 100 years for Remy Cointreau which Robert Rodriguez directed it's this movie that uh, they put in a vault after they made it and no one's going to see it for 100 years so you know they Malkovich is definitely someone that you can kind of pull out of the woodwork if you want to create sort of a, a an interesting maybe sometimes somewhat bizarre uh, campaign for you know and people seem to love it 
let's listen to a little bit of Malkovich, and uh, uh, I, then we'll round up our uh, the end of our Adsworth watching section. Quite a gamble, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, everything I ever did was a gamble. Are they going to take you seriously, do you think? So what? Now I have to justify my life to them? They don't really care how they take me. <laughs> they, they can take me as I am, not at all. I don't. I don't want to do that film. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah, that looks nice. Very nice. So they 76 to the back of the shirt, too. All right, thanks, Tim. Uh, a great collection, as always. And now we are ready to talk about CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. It's time for our big discussion of the week. So, uh, Lauren, let's start with you. You were at CES last year. I, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I've never been. I've certainly been to mega large uh, conventions at the Las Vegas Convention Center, and it is madness, and it just seems to go on forever. But I'm guessing CES is a special kind of madness. How would you describe the just the kind of overall feel, Lauren? It's huge. Um, it's kind of what I remember from last year. I mean, a lot of uh, conferences and events that we go to are also huge. Advertising Week in New York, uh, for example, is huge and, and certainly spread out over a, a decent amount of space. But I think what's different about Vegas is that it, it really takes over the entire city and brings in such a big group of folks that, you know, obviously the marketing and advertising community is a part of it, but it's really a bigger conference focused on technology and some of the more consumer facing stuff that quite honestly we don't see or, or like at least explore a lot um, with Adweek. So I would just say like the, the, the scale of it was what really um, was interesting last year. I mean, it is considerably larger than almost any other, I mean, I think than any other event we cover. It's something like 177,000 people all told uh, turn out for this thing. And, I mean, that that blows away even South by Southwest and much less the, the other kind of core events we cover each year, like uh, Can Lions and, and some of these. It is a tremendously huge Yeah, Can is like 15,000, yeah. I think. So uh, the... Uh, I mean, how do you, as a reporter, how do you even begin finding you know, what to write about in this kind of ocean of, of cool gadgets and innovation and people trying to pitch you? Mm -hmm. um, well, last year, you know, there, there's certainly some things that just going as a reporter you need to cover and things that are worth sitting in on that maybe you don't know initially are going to be um, so cool. So, for example, last year I remember Netflix um, was a keynote speech and, you know, I went into it thinking maybe this will be cool and, it was a long uh, presentation they had with a bunch of celebrities and actors and folks who you know, had released original shows with Netflix and that sort of thing. That was the bigger takeaway, and, but the, the bigger news piece from that being that Netflix decided to flip the switch in a, in a bunch of different countries and go global um, last year. So that's an example of something that like, I may not have known would be um, that interesting, but turned into a, a interesting, bigger piece. And then, so there's that sort of stuff where you know some of the keynotes are necessary for us to cover, um, and then just kind of you know I also did a trip around the exhibition floors. There are multiple exhibition floors at CES, depending on what venue you're at and what you're interested in seeing. So. You know, there's an Internet of Things exhibit, for example. There's uh, TVs 
I was actually interested in like how despite all of the future looking stuff is there TVs are still huge at CES in terms of um, size and pixels and shape still seems to be a, a huge thing so if that's your if that's what you're into there's a whole um, area to look for things so it's just kind of it is overwhelming but I think you just have to go into it with the mentality of trying to pinpoint a few things that are interesting and see what you know kind of strikes you as the most interesting thing there my, my favorite thing to find at any of these conferences is like the the displays that you can't are they require too much power to be plugged into a standard outlet so they have to like find these like build these extra powerful outlets or plug it into four different outlets or something it's just like that's when you know you're looking at real emerging tech and it's like this tv can't actually be plugged into a wall uh you know those are always fun <laughs> to find um Tim, you have been to uh, South by Southwest quite a bit. Uh, how are you expecting CES to be different? Well, I've never been here either, so I'm here to just uh, sort of get a feel for it and see what brands and agencies are up to, really. I mean, uh, you think about things like AI, you think about wearables, you think about voice control. You know, there's a lot of really pretty hip technologies right now, that, and they're going to affect brands and agencies whether or not you're you know, directly involved in, in that kind of technology, you know, whether or not you're building a drone or whether or not you, and it makes sense for your business to use a robot or whatever it might be. Um, you know, a good example is something like Domino's, you know, this company that, you know, it's not a technology really. It's just a, you know, it's a pizza, but you look at what, at what they have, you know, they have a, a robotics unit. They have, they have their own drone. They have, uh, you know, they won tons of awards for their, sort of zero click ordering and the whole emoji ordering. So this is a good example of a brand um, that really isn't a technology brand at all, but, but you know, ties into a lot of the buzz around new technologies and uses them to make the consumer experience easier. So, you know, I find it, I find that part of it to be really interesting. Uh, I know Marty's going to go to uh, various keynotes th this week and, and uh, Katie Richards, one of our advertising reporters is also here. And I think Katie and I are going to try to talk to some of the agencies here and see why they're here. You know, I, I definitely am going to chat with CPNB, uh, Crispin Porter. They they obviously handle the Domino's account, and the, the technology people over there have really helped steer a lot of that, uh, steer that brand towards technology. Uh, I'm going to also chat with Wyden and Kennedy. You know, their their in-house tech studio, The Lodge, is really interesting. Um, they made one of my favorite pieces of of brand tech last year, which was the. Uh, for Verizon, they made a working telephone within Minecraft, which was really cool. So we'll be I'll be chatting with those guys, see why they're here, what they're excited about. Uh, also, MDC partners, and then you know, also I think we're going to try to talk to some of the clients who are here. Uh, I'm scheduled to sit down with Corning, you know, which is an the glass company, and that's you know that's a whole interesting brand story all its own. They've been working for a decade or more to position glass as a tech product. You know, you don't really think of glass as a tech product, but it is. I mean, look at your the touch screen on your phone. Um, you look at uh, smart cars and connected homes. Glass is going to be such a key part of that. So, Yeah, I remember like they, several years ago, Corning put out uh, this video that I think went viral about kind of the potential for smart glass and like for glass devices and you know you see this in a lot of sci-fi movies with um like the future of phones is just this transparent you know piece of glass that basically becomes whatever you need it to be uh so yeah they've been an interesting brand uh, for those who haven't kind of followed them they, they have been really innovation focused in, in an interesting way 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, maybe uh, I'm sure Marty can probably talk to the, the trends that, you know, we're looking at this year, too. Yeah, Marty, what, what are you looking yeah. forward to? And like, like Lauren was saying, it's, it's sometimes tough to even figure out where to start. Um, you know, the last couple of days I've been emailing and talking back and forth with agency execs and asking them what they're looking at. And, and a, a few trends that are kind of bubbling up continually are, again, like, like Tim mentioned, AI, um, Internet of Things, smart homes. Um, you know, obviously virtual reality is something that people are really curious about, but it definitely seems like a lot of the voice uh, activated assistants are of a lot of interest to people. This, you know, Alexa with Amazon, Google Home, which uh, you know isn't quite as capable as Alexa right now, but it's it's still pretty, you know, it's, it's still pretty worth watching, uh, especially since they open their API. But um, but it's also interesting here because, like, I think one of the things there's just a random array of people that come to this. I mean, uh, just this morning I had an email, apparently Joe Montana is going to be here to talk about tech. Um, but what else? I mean, Casey Neistat and, um, you know, from YouTube and the model Carly Kloss are doing a panel on Friday with Samsung to talk about VR. So it's, it's kind of a mixture of agencies trying to figure out uh, what they can maybe use for, clients in the short term but also trying to figure out what they should start thinking about for not just this year but maybe a few years down the road so uh lauren you've uh, written quite a bit in this week's issue and in previous issues about the way that brands are embracing some of this whether it's uh algorithms or ai or voice activation all of which are somewhat uh, interrelated uh tell us about some of the brands who uh you featured this week who are kind of the the, the hot ones in this space sure so yeah, we um, kind of zero, I did a lot of research uh, in terms of looking at brands, how they were using brands, were using AI kind of at a broad level initially. And what kind of became clear through my research is that a lot of these marketers are in the retail and customer service space, uh, which is kind of interesting, I guess, to think about how robots uh, are becoming a new type of customer service whether you like it or not. Um, so kind of, you know, I'm trying to think of like a couple of neat examples. Starbucks is one that really stood out to me because of how much they have done. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of a case study really in terms of how brands look uh, at how to use digital, whether that is, you know, just in, in basic advertising, but then also really what they've done with mobile ordering and creating this platform um, that has become so ingrained in a lot of a lot of people's lives in terms of like some people don't you know you could walk into a New York Starbucks and see five people in front of you in line that are all using their app to um, pay for things and recently a lot of that has moved to this feature they have uh, called order ahead where you know you place your order and uh, that sing that pings a message basically to a nearby Starbucks they make the drink for you so that all you have to do is just you know walk in and pick it up you've already paid for it you've bypassed the line all that sort of thing and so now the next phase of that coming out this year is this virtual barista bot that you know is basically going to be able to use things like natural language and uh, kind of customization to you know place your order via voice so you tell her um, 
your order, same, the same similar kind of process where it pings it to a store. But then over time, it's just continually learning about the kinds of things you like. So if you're more of an iced coffee uh, drinker that goes in for an afternoon snack, chances are you're going to see a kind of offer that's targeted um, you know, for food, maybe like an afternoon snack that's more targeted to you because you like to go in the afternoon versus someone who um, gets a daily cup of basic coffee and is, you know, in route for a long time commuting. So that they're kind of an interesting example, um, one that I found pretty early on that I'm really interested in just to see how they kind of take, uh, you know, what a lot of brands have been doing in mobile with the smartphone to kind of the next level and adding voice to it. So you also wrote about the Lowe's kind of service robots that we've been writing about for a few years since they um, you know, bought up or licensed that technology. What, what is the status of the, the Lowe's robot? Well, when I talked to Lowe's, what I thought was interesting is that, yes, they've started. They uh, began piloting the, these uh, roaming robots a couple of years ago in a couple stores and are now expanding that to cover... Uh, a greater area of California in the Bay Area, um, but it's picking up on all these really, you know, fairly granular, without, you know, basically without Lowe's giving away too much data. What they were able to tell to me is, you know, they're able to tell uh, where folks are standing in a store for the most for longer periods of time, for example, or when uh, foot traffic is highest during the day, and those types of things that, you know. A human may have some kind of anecdotal uh, background on beforehand, but they're really able to kind of put a number to it and say, now we know that X number of people are in a store uh, in the middle of the week, in the afternoon, they're looking at this particular product. And what's also interesting about the robots is it's not, their robots are not a one-way dialogue, so the robot comes up to you and initiates the conversation, whereas I think a lot of people would think of like someone having to kind of start that conversation, meaning the customer would have to start it, and that's not the way that the Lowe's robots work. If they notice that you're kind of idling in a store, they will initiate a conversation with you and ask what you need. So it's just kind of an interesting, um, they're really an interesting use case in how the retail robot has become a bit more of a reality uh, for them. I wonder if uh, I wonder if Jolly Green Giant will make a robot. Oh boy! <laughs> just have, like have a giant that guy, like walking around the store. Just a, a giant foot, just like moving around the grocery store. Can I help you find your green beans? <laughs> <laughs> giant finger pushing stuff onto your into your cart. <laughs> um, let's talk, Marty. Tell us about kind of the status of VR. It felt like last year was supposed to be the year of VR. This was the year, 2016 was the year that all these devices we had been waiting for uh, for years, the Oculus Rift, the PlayStation VR, uh, the HTC Vive, they all finally hit the market. And uh, as I had kind of expected, they didn't exactly tip over into mainstream mega success. Uh, I think there were some huge roadblocks along the way, like Palmer Lucky at Oculus really having this kind of implosion uh, where, you know, his political... uh, you know, his odd political uh, interests got him in a lot of trouble, and basically Facebook had to somewhat disown him, and now he, I, I think he's been kind of invisible ever since. I don't think he's ever reemerged. And he was very literally the cover boy for VR on Adweek, on uh, Time. You know, he had 
he had been kind of the face of this emerging industry. So they, they certainly had a few setbacks. A lot of the launches were a bit clunky. Uh, but I, I feel like 2017 is the year that it's either going to happen or it's just not going to happen. Now, you've been, Marty, you've been playing with VR at home. You've uh, been kind of following what brands are up to. How would you describe kind of the state of VR going into this CES? Yeah, so I still feel like we're at somewhat of a chicken or the egg kind of thing, I feel like, in a way, when it comes to headsets. Uh, on the one hand, you are seeing more uh, companies debuting headsets You know, last fall. I know we've talked about this on a previous podcast. Google came out with theirs. Uh, Lenovo just announced um, their, their competitor for HTC Vive, more of an affordable room-scale VR headset. Uh, that was just announced yesterday. Um, there was some rumor that HTC was going to be coming out with a Vive 2. It looks like that's not going to happen now, it sounds like, uh, here. But uh, back to the chicken or the egg thing, I think it's strange because you're seeing two different types of VR headsets come out. You're seeing the consumer-grade stuff, like the Gear VR, the Google View. Um, but those are still just for Android. And then you're seeing the larger PC-equipped uh, headsets like Oculus and like HTC Vive uh, that you can't just walk around, you know, unless you have it hooked to a larger machine. And so it's the thing I've been wondering about is what's going to come first. Will there become something that allows headsets to get to everybody? Because they're affordable. I mean, $100 for gear, $100 for uh, Google, but the other ones are just not affordable. Or will the content come first? And will not just brands doing partnerships and doing cool stuff, and there are a lot of brands doing cool stuff, uh, but will there be just this flood of content that makes people think I really have to get uh, a headset. And one of the things I've been wondering is, I mean, since Apple has such a large market share of smartphones, um, a, a part of me wonders is, is Apple holding VR back because I mean, not everyone has a Samsung phone or, um, or, and very few people still have the new Google pixel phone. So if Apple were to come out with some sort of VR headset, which doesn't sound like they are anytime soon, it sounds like they might be going more towards AR, but I just wonder if they're the kind of the thing that's holding the whole thing from really kind of taking taking to fruition. Hmm. Uh, that's interesting. Tim, have you seen – I, I mean, agencies love VR. They love playing with VR. What, what have you seen from the brand space and the agency space that, that shows you some, I guess, some hope or optimism that it, it will actually become a, a, a really embraced medium? Well, I think we're still waiting for the really breakthrough creative executions. I don't think we've seen those. I think you know a handful of brands will take you cool places, but they're you know the the creative I think lacks like the real hook that like oh you gotta see this you know like we, at the end of last year that I'm thinking about that uh, that Evan PSA that the Sandy Hook folks did like you gotta see this you know there hasn't been a piece of of branded VR that that has that people have said you have to see this and part of that uh, Marty's right it's like part of that is because not everybody has even a cardboard and not, not certainly not everyone has a a big headset um, but you know I think the content piece of it the storytelling has to get better uh, that's what's going to bring people to want to buy these things right now there's I think a little bit just tech for the sake of tech uh, in VR uh, and hopefully this year we'll see you know, agencies make that leap and create a couple of executions that really wow people. And, and of course, you know, there has been a few. We talked last week or the week before on, on the podcast about the dreams of Dolly, uh, the thing that Goodby Silverstein did uh, for the Dolly Museum. I mean, that was pretty awesome. But again, that's not like, there's not like a clever hook there. It's not, it's not some kind of wow factor. That, that's like a, a very immersive experience, and it's really cool. 
but it doesn't have that spark that 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 storytelling spark that I think drives you know the content that then helps the hardware evolve too. A lot of the documentarians and a lot of the the journalism stuff has been pretty neat. Uh, I know Here Be Dragons, which is led by uh, uh, Chris Malk, they've been doing some really cool stuff. I know that worked nike in the past but a lot of their stuff um riot's doing some pretty neat stuff um just going into some pretty crazy places sometimes and doing you know 360 um but i think besides maybe the content itself one of the things that i think is interesting is i I always forget that not many people have even even if they don't have vr uh at their house they haven't even tried it and this this holiday season, Facebook had a pop up at Bryant Park in New York, and uh, where people could go in and try a quick little demo, like a two minute video. And then Facebook was doing surveys, asking them, uh, "So, what did you think? Was it better than you thought? Less than you thought?" And uh, I'm always interested to see what people think after the first experience. I mean, I brought my um, Gear VR headset home over Christmas back to Minnesota, or uh, Thanksgiving, um, and I had my parents try VR for the first time. And it was really interesting watching my my mom and dad put on the headset and watch different different videos and just to see their reaction my mom was looking around and kind of commenting my dad was more much more stoic and just taking it all in uh but they both really liked it and it was always funny my mom kept calling it um virtual of reality um, <laughs> and she she still kind of does but the more i watch people try it for the more for the first time the more uh the more i hope i have of it taking off as a medium like i'm pretty bullish on it still i'm just wondering you know where the floodgate's going to happen well, let's uh, let's talk about another topic that's been kind of is certainly not new. is in fact one of the oldest kind of mobile topics, uh, but is location and data. It feels like those have always been kind of the most boring of the uh, annual topics at events like CES and South by Southwest. But this year, this past year, location really seems to be kind of coming into its own. Uh, something with a, a little more uh, reality to it. Uh, there's been all this talk of beacons and everything for years. Uh, but I don't know, it just feels a bit more practical. Lauren, what is your take on kind of the state of what marketers are really focused on with location and data? Yeah, I would agree that um, a lot of the location and data stuff has always been there for brands to tap into, but it's certainly not the uh, sexiest part of advertising by any means. And there hasn't really been a lot to advance it in terms of like marketers truly being able to say, okay, I know that an online ad actually got someone not only in the store, but they actually bought something. Here's how much they bought. Then they came back two weeks later and bought something else. Like that sort of tying all those different pieces together uh, is kind of what's been missing and lacking from it from a long time. But I think you are starting to see um, more advancements in that way. I know one of the more interesting like partnerships I covered not too long ago was um, Foursquare, which is kind of an interesting story in and of itself of how they've evolved from being this check-in app to being this massive trove of data to power a lot of apps has now partnered with Snapchat. So there's ways to, um, you know, create more interesting geo filters and to run more interesting ad campaigns that are all location based and obviously fueled by lots of data and interesting insights and that sort of thing. So I think you are seeing um, some interesting things happen, but it, it, it does seem like it's, it's those are by primarily being held by a, a big chunk of companies like the four squares of the world. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly good. where Foursquare is looking to kind of build their future. They are now calling themselves the location, I think the location intelligence company. 
Um, and uh, so, you know, interesting to see after splitting off Square, which a lot of people, you know, or, I mean, sorry, Swarm, uh, as the, you know, their check-in game, which I still use, but probably not many other people do, um, you know, to see that Foursquare is basically uh, positioning themselves as the place to get this foot traffic data uh, that, that a lot of uh, brands are really eager to get a hold of. Um, and it's just going to be interesting to see if, if we can just find that bridge of the idea that, that gets people excited about location and, and not just brands, because there is something kind of creepy about this idea of, hey, your phone is watching you and letting brands know where you are. Uh, but th- we need to get to the point where there's something that excites consumers again, too, in the way that Pokemon Go did, in the way that original Foursquare did. Uh, but to, to find that that thing that accomplishes both ends, uh, you know, that's kind of what I am keep being surprised has not emerged yet. But we'll see. Maybe this will be the year. Uh, Tim, any other trends that you're looking uh, for this year that, that you're expecting to see quite a bit of? Well, sure. I mean, wearables is still really big. Uh, self-driving cars is obviously huge. Automotive stuff here at CES, I think this year is going to be really, really interesting. Uh, you know, it's not, and it's not just the self-driving cars. It's other things like uh, I think one one of the marketers is. Um, I think it's BMW uh, is, is unveiling a new system where you can kind of use finger gestures. You just kind of raise your hand and, and use finger gestures and you interact with um, something like lasers that come out of the dashboard to tell the to c- car what to do so you don't have to reach down. And so, I mean, that's sort of interesting. And then I, I think uh, one of the other big automakers is, is using facial rec- recognition uh, tech to, to recognize who's driving and, and adjust the, the mirror and seats accordingly so i mean that's that's all pretty interesting stuff i think i think the challenge at, at, at a conference like this is i mean there's a fine line between like brilliant and stupid like when it comes to a lot of innovation and it's like hard to know what people will actually use and what's just too ridiculous to use so i think that's really the you know the line um you know you think about and so, so cars on the one hand self-driving cars and car, and car innovation in general and then fridges are also like huge. I think that's sort of like the cent, almost the center uh, of the of the smart home experience these days. Is like people, you know, they're trying to uh, these marketers are trying to create these fridges that uh, kind of run your house for you. Um, so that 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 should be interesting too. I think there's one there's a new one of the marketers here has has a product called the Fridge Cam, which keeps track of every single thing that you have in your uh, in your fridge and kn- knows exactly when it expires, you know, sen- sends alerts to buy new stuff. Uh, you know, again, like some of, th- some of those kinds of tech, it seems like really amazing and maybe you would use that, but it's so hard to know like whether, whether, you know, how much tech is too much in other yeah. words. One of the interesting things about CES compared to other types of conferences is, you know, as Tim is talking about each one of those, little categories is kind of its own mini conference within CES. So if you only are interested in auto, you could spend a full week in Vegas looking at only self-driving cars or any of that sort of stuff. And same with kind of the advertising and marketing stuff there. There's basically two venues in Vegas, the Aria and the Cosmopolitan, that if you are an agency and you only want to take, you know, meetings the entire time you're there and never even step foot in an exhibition or see any kind of any any of the forward looking technology to be honest you can just kind of stay in those two venues and you know have four meetings a day four meetings an hour even if you wanted um and i I think ces from a marketer's perspective has really changed from 
not only the tech stuff, but supposedly there's a lot of deals that get done at CES if you're an agency. And so being able to talk to Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, all of those companies in one day is a big reason why you're seeing more agencies and brands go to Vegas. Well, we should probably wrap up. Uh, it's been a good good chat, and I would encourage everyone to follow along with our coverage of CES on Adweek and just look for CES 2017. Keep an eye on what Tim and Marty and Katie Richards are going to be producing for us from there. Uh, is, is that uh, is that everybody from Adweek? We got anybody else there this uh, year? J- Jim Cooper is here, and uh, Alfred uh, Mascaroni and John Tejada are here to shoot oh, video good. for us. Wonderful. I'm glad glad our video team made it back. And so, yeah, definitely check out Adweek all this week and see what comes out of CES. Uh, thank you all for joining us, Tim, Marty. Thanks for getting up early and uh, and joining the call. And Lauren, thanks for joining from Manhattan. Uh, I hope uh, everyone has a productive day. And, uh, you know, I will I, I'm really gonna be curious to see, like, what is the big thing, the big uh, the big breakthrough item? It's, it's kind of like South by had that for years and then kind of lost it. And now I'm curious to see what comes out of CES. So thank you guys for covering it. And uh, we are uh, got a few a few fun projects in the work. We've got the Adweek Arc Awards, which is kind of our, our storytelling awards. Uh, we're going to be rolling those out uh, pretty soon. Of course, Super Bowl coverage, as I mentioned earlier, is underway. We've got our ad tracker, and we've got a lot more coming. We've got our Super Bowl issue coming up. We've got our Media Agency of the Year winners coming up soon. Uh, so all sorts of fun stuff coming in the printed edition, and uh, we've got some really big things in the works for adweek.com, which I will tell you all about soon. Uh, so uh, keep an eye out. Keep listening to the podcast. Our theme music is by Home. Uh, today's episode was produced by Christina Monlos and edited by Kevin Eck. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, if you have not, please take a moment to leave a review for us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Uh, those reviews don't just make us feel good, but also help new listeners discover the podcast. Uh, but they also make us feel good. So um, email, oh, and, and yeah, email any questions. If you've got any questions or comments, are always welcome at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. We love hearing from you. So thanks to everyone for joining it, and we will talk to you next week. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.